on this week's episode of the VATV podcast, we're going to welcome on Coach Dustin Emery. Coach, thanks for coming on the pod. Hey, thanks for having me today. Um, so this entire episode, I just wanted to spend time talking with you. Um, so of like all of the employees at VA, I feel like the people who I'm closest to are the people who I'm like. So like younger dudes. So like me, you, Andres. I feel like those are the people who I'm closest to. So I know a little bit about this, but I don't know a whole lot. So talk to me about like who you are. Where'd you grow up? What'd you do after graduation? Um, your family, your wife, like talk, talk to me and talk to the audience about like who you are. So I'm kind of a, uh, I'm kind of an administration brat. Uh, my dad started out as a teacher coach. He was a choir director um, and a band director for a while and then got into administration. So uh, I spent my kindergarten year in Toller. I spent my first through third grade years in Rio Vista, where you know Mr. Dennis graduated from. Mm. Uh, I was actually in the elementary school when he was in the high school. So really, we won't, we won't talk about ages. I've, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a junior yearbook picture of him that you know like, saved for a rainy day. That's hilarious. Uh, my fourth grade year, my dad got his first administration job, so I went to Venus Elementary yeah, at that time. That's a small town. Another small town. I drove yep. through that. Um, we went to New Mexico recently, my wife and I, and we had to drive back through Venus. I think it was Venus. Yeah. Um, so, and then uh, from there, we've lived in, we lived in, I was born in Brownwood, we lived in Toler, and then we moved to Cleveland, where my mom is originally from, um, that whole area down there. And so, we were living in Cleburne at the time, and all my friends that I was playing Pee Wee sports with were all in Cleburne, and it was all going, you know, we were trying to figure out why I'm going to these other schools and not going where all my buddies were at. And so uh, fifth through the beginning of my freshman year, I spent my uh, those years in Cleburne ISD, and then my dad got a job at uh, Harwood Junior High in Bedford. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at the end, well, the second half of my freshman year, I ended up moving to U.S. Trinity, Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved up to Bedford and lived in that district until I graduated. And then my parents were like, we want to go back down to the small side of town. But my dad's been driving 53 minutes or 53 miles one way every day Damn. for almost or since 2003. Wow. Um, so he's been in that district for a long time. Uh, he's been at, on both sides of the district. And he's now actually at my alma mater as an assistant principal. Uh, and so, you know, I've been kind of everywhere um been all over the place and so once i graduated from uh trinity i was a four sport athlete there uh, with football basketball baseball and running track which is why my passion for sports is such a big deal Mm -hmm. um but then i uh, got recruited to go play college football um and ended up at a small d3 school out in abilene at hardin simmons university and uh spent all four years there uh, in 2012 February 27th, 2012, I met my wife. Um, she was actually one of the – she was a freshman basketball player there. And uh, so we met, started hanging out a little bit, and then started dating on, like, March the 10th of 2012, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I graduated that winter and came back home. She finished up her last two years, but for her senior year, I had been accepted into the uh, Masters of Athletic Training Program at Texas Tech uh, at the Health Science Center out there. And mm-hmm. so – um, which is its own separate entity from actual Texas Tech University. Um, and so I got out there, I spent 2014, or the summer, fall, winter of 2014 through the spring of 2016 mm-hmm. out there. Um, had the opportunity to work with uh, a 2A school, Sundown High School, which you know we had about 20 kids on the varsity football team there. Uh, spent my spring at a 6A at Friendship High School, um, that following fall, I got put into my clinical rotation with Texas Tech uh, football. So I got to work with guys like Patrick Mahomes, DeAndre Washington, LaRaven Clark, mm. um, Pete Robertson, some of these guys that are that are still running in the NFL right now. Um, and then from there, I went to Lubbock Estacado, uh, mm. which was a f- small 4A school. It was the smallest Lubbock High School that was out there. And so... Mm. Uh, got to do four different clinical rotations and see a big wide variety of kids and athletes and uh, staffs and then um, man let's see so that summer of 2015 uh, I took my wife back to her favorite uh, beach in Gulf Shores Alabama where uh, her family had first taken me on vacation with them and uh, I popped the question that summer on July 12th of 2015 mm-hmm. we got married December 27th of 2016 
after I got my first job, and so uh, kind of been together ever since, and then um, had our first little boy two months ago yesterday, mm-hmm. so he uh, he is rocking my world every day right now, and yeah. um, man, it's it's just a lot of fun, dude. It's uh, it's It's been a great time. I mean, I'm all over the place, though. Like, I've been everywhere, feels yeah. like, uh-huh. so. Dang. So were you playing football in college while doing athletic training? So actually, ironically enough, and my uh, our athletic trainer from college was baffled when he found this out. So my wife was actually a student athletic trainer as a freshman at Hardin Simmons, and so uh, I was a junior fixing to be going into my senior football season, and she got put in her spring rotation with spring football, mm-hmm. and she happened to work with the defensive line, and I was a defensive end at the time, and uh, so she and I started dating. And our athletic trainer didn't find that out until like the following summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, so I actually I uh, I got to Harden Simmons, and you know you've kind of talked about this a little bit about changing majors. Uh, I got to Harden Simmons and was a biology major. I was like, man, I'm gonna go physical therapy. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Uh, high school ACL injury is is what led me into the PT and athletic training field, and so. I was like, man, yeah, I want to do that. But then I couldn't balance the schedule. I couldn't balance the grades that I was going to need to do to get into uh, to get into PT school. And it was all said and done. I mean, my first semester, I took like 16 hours mm-hmm. and walked away with like a 2.1 GPA. Yeah, that's barely, bad. Barely eligible, to, <laughs> barely eligible to play college football, which is saying a lot. Um, and I graduated high school with a 3.91. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't stupid, but – I didn't know how to manage my time very well. I didn't know how to study very well coming out of high school. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was able to do the work, get it turned in, make the grade. You mm-hmm. know, that's what a lot of our kids do, and that's what a lot of kids do. But they don't – they're not taught to study. They're not taught to take notes. And um, so those first year of college is eye-opening when you don't have everything handed to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I My freshman year – I so in high school – I wasn't the best student. I graduated, like our school had 404 kids. I think I graduated like a little bit below the middle, like 250 or so was my rank. So I wasn't like great by any means. I didn't really care a whole lot. I cheated a lot. Um, didn't do any like of the work. I just kind of skated by. And when I got to college, I was like, yeah, it'll be the same thing. And it really wasn't. Like I had to learn how to study and because college studying is way different than high school studying high school you can like cram before the test mm-hmm. and you can remember it but college is just different like you have to if you, you have to know the information you can't just like guesstimate right and there's no rounding up like there was in high school well and you know we can talk about this here in a little while when we get to the athletic training side of it but you know you go into college looking at a degree right um and so you know i made that grade or whatever and i was like i can't be a biology major there's no way like i'm not gonna get into pt school now so I talked to my advisor, I talked to my coaches, and they're like, well, why don't you take the exercise science field? You know, that's that's still going to be a semi-relatable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, like, it was our version of a kinesiology degree at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was like, sure, great. And then I got to the end of college, and of course my grades got better, got better. I had to fight my way up to get a 299 GPA walking out of my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pissed because I won the 3.0. But, uh, you know, I ended up graduating from there and I was like what am I gonna do with this degree uh, and I, I looked at athletic training I thought about it but I just I'd been like I spent I spent 12 months with my athletic trainer um, in high school and uh, Doc Hughes Doc Pruitt man they were awesome for me um, huge mentors of mine I, like enough that I took my office aid period with her when I was in high school mm-hmm. uh, one because it taught me a little more about the human body, so I actually had her for anatomy and for an offset period. Yeah, um, and so I just I you know I knew I liked the body, I knew I liked um, healthcare, and so I was like, you know what, what can I do that's still kind of like PT, but I can still stay around sports? Because after doing a clinical rotation of um, observation hours, I realized that I didn't really want to work general population. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no offense to to our to our older population, and I just. I want the, I'm, I'm here for the more physically active. I like kids who can up and go and have a drive to keep moving. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't really have an urge to work just to keep working for a lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to grab something out of the cabinet. Yeah. Um, you know, that takes a special kind of person. And I, that, I feel like that kind of makes me a little bit shallow at times, but at the same time, like I'm an, I'm willing to help those, those mm-hmm. types of people as well. Of course. Um, you know, 
I still help coaches. I still help teachers. I still help family members that need help uh, because it's you know it's my life. It's my lifeline to help anybody that I can help. But um, you know, it was just I decided that working general population wasn't where it was, and I thought you know what I can go to get my master's in athletic training. So I started looking around, and then all of a sudden I start seeing this GRE, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? Another test? I'm like, nah, no. Yeah. I'm no, I don't want to do that. And so I start looking at programs. I'm like, what program is not going to make me take this stupid test? Yep. And so sure enough, I looked around, found a few and applied. And uh, we were actually coming back from spring break. I'd taken my wife to Colorado for the first time. And um, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, getting gas. We had just left Rudy's barbecue. Um, and I got my email that accepted me into the program. And Nice. Um, so I got into the program and was super excited. I had like four months to prepare um, and then realized, oh, crap, I'm moving back to West Texas, but I'm moving even further to West Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you've ever been out that you've, you've driven in New Mexico, Sucks. you get out there, man. It's just flat. It's boring. You, you, and you know you're out in West Texas when you start seeing the windmills. People think Van Alsen's boring. They've no, never gone to West Texas. No, no. You got McKinney like – <laughs> 20 minutes away you know there's a, there's a chick-fil-a on the drive mm-hmm. now there's a whataburg on the drive yeah you get between abilene and you, you get shell gas stations you get you get between no awesomes bro you get you get awesomes come on hey, now. awesomes burritos are the, delicious, the west though. texas awesomes burritos and you come out smelling <laughs> like them uh and you can just you can see awesomes in a picture and i can just smell the burritos like it's it's yeah. nuts but yeah we uh i went back to lubbock and spent those two years out there getting my degree and you know we talked about the studying is different between high school and college. Um, and a lot of kids, I don't know if they've thought about it, but one thing for them to think about is why do you go to college? Mm-hmm. What are you going to college for? You're trying to get a degree to do something that you love and you want to do. Well, you can't make that up on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't make something up on the fly. If a kid gets hurt, I have to be knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I have to know my stuff because yep. if I don't, I'm going to get exposed. Mm-hmm. Right now, I will tell you, I don't know everything. And I'll tell kids and parents, I, I, I'm not 100% sure on this. I said, we may need to go get it checked out. Let's do this for a little bit, and then we'll go. But mm-hmm. realistically, like, you have to know your stuff and be on top of your game. And that doesn't that's athletic training. That's photography. That's video. I think, like, you when know. you're dealing with the well-being of a person, like, it's just amplified. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my best friends, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And it's just like, you can't just guess. You can't just cross your fingers. No. Like, that's someone's body that you're that you're dealing with oh you put the wrong nerve back in the wrong place or you move the wrong like it changes everything like yeah. it it changes everything and so you know you've got to you've got to be fundamental in your foundations and so mm-hmm. you know the the best thing i can tell the freshmen right now especially when i teach them is guys i'm trying to train you to get used to taking notes mm-hmm. yeah i know it sucks you don't want to do it but you have to, and you have to start getting used to it now because if you do plan on going to college, you're going to take notes. You're going to yep. write things down. They're not going to give you or handprint everything for you. Mm-hmm. So you better get used to trying to pick and choose what's important versus what's not important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my goal when I have those kids is if I can just train them even a little bit just to get used to it, I'm good with it. But, yeah. um, you know, that, that college, that high school to college lifestyles is a big change. It's tough. So. It's tough because I think the biggest learning curve is like you don't have your mom and dad to be like, hey, like when's your next test coming up? Hey, come home. You have curfew because when you go to college, you don't have a curfew unless you're like on a sports. I'm sure the coaches probably had at least some guidelines for you. But typically you don't have anyone to baby you. And I would say the vast majority of kids who graduate don't go into athletics or have some sort of a a guidance person to kind of lead them away and be like, hey, just make sure you're in bed by X amount of time. Make sure you've done this much homework. Make sure you go to study hall, yada, yada, yada. Because you get, it's so difficult to learn to be disciplined in your studies. Oh, yeah. Over, Especially I, when you hate school. I, I hated over, school. I overslept a few off-season workouts because I was out too late. I'm not, not – won't even lie about that. Like, I was – we'd go out on Thursday nights because that was quarters, and then you wake up at 4 a.m. because we had our – we had clocks that were set 20 minutes too fast because that's the way our coach wanted it. And so you're rolling in at four o'clock when it's like mm-hmm. actually three forty, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "This is terrible." Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, we had those, and so yeah, you're just, it's hard to be disciplined. It's yeah. it's tough, but you have to find that way, and you eventually find your way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of times, and I don't know about you, but I know for me as a freshman in college, I felt overwhelmed. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're right. You don't have mom, dad holding your hand. You don't have the teachers that you've spent four years with that are like, oh, hey, you know, let me help you through this. Or, hey, can I come talk to you? Like, you don't, you know, you don't really have those relationships yet. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got to schedule conference times with them if you want to talk about a test or if you want to talk about certain things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those hours are always limited in college. But one thing that uh, a lot of people graduate and they want to move in, if they go to the same college as their friend, they want to be roommates with their friend. Uh-uh. And it, like I was an RA for three years and that's the worst thing because your friend's not going to hold you accountable. Mm-mm. And like a random stranger isn't going to hold you accountable either. But the random stranger isn't. If you if you're roommates with someone who you've never met before, they're not going to immediately encourage you to sleep in or miss a class or do this or do that. Like typically, if you're going to college with your friend, they probably won't be as like, hey, you want to study together? You want to do like they just want to have fun together. Mm -hmm. And I always tell everyone, like when you go to college, as much as you want to room with your friend for academic purposes only, like don't social social purposes is a whole another ball game we can go down don't do that either but like just live on the same floor as them live in the same dorm as them but don't be roommates yeah definitely not definitely not dorms uh, me and some of my best friends we did room together uh, our sophomore junior senior year which was different than being in the dorms but we were all in separate rooms in the dorms and so our freshman year of course i already told you like i didn't pay much attention uh-huh. anyway but like when i was a sophomore junior senior living with those guys yeah. We did get some. We did get a it's lot of so stuff. So much better. Done, and we did get a lot of stuff done. But by that time, we had semi figured it out. Yeah, your freshman year is the time. But to that freshman yourself. year, don't man, because here's what happens: you usually don't even speak to that first time roommate that you've never known. Mm-hmm. After that, anyway. Yep. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm not either. I, I I agree with you. I don't. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. Like I actually ended up my fresh the rest of my freshman year not having a roommate because mine got in a car wreck and never came back. Dang. Um, and so uh, he was part of our football team, but he after the after the car wreck, he flipped his, he flipped his vehicle and never made it back to us. And so yeah. um, he dropped out and moved back home. So, wow. yeah, no, definitely don't room with that first – definitely don't room with, the, with your best friend or somebody that you've gone to school with that first year. At least mm-hmm. wait until you can get an apartment, get yourselves a house, of course. something like that. All right, I want to move on to uh, – your job um so you're an athletic trainer you talked about how you found that passion um why is like athletic training even important because there's a lot of schools that obviously it's important to keep our athletes healthy and have like a successful athletics program because it adds morale to this team and just like in general just having healthy people but like talk about why athletic training is important for schools and students and adults and everything so I, it was. I think I saw it put best the other day. All right, um, if you've ever gone to a water park, or you've gone to Slitterbahn, mm-hmm. are there lifeguards on duty? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, most everybody hopefully can swim. Mm-hmm. Um, most everybody can hopefully ride in a tube. But what happens to that one person that can't swim or can't get out of the tube or gets caught in a current? Mm-hmm. Who's going to take care of that? Right. Um, and so I say that with the aspect of, you know, most of our kids are really good athletes. Most of our kids can move well and they can move along and they can run and jump. Um, you know, they can lift heavy, they can catch, they can throw. But what happens when they get hurt? Um, you know, and so when it comes to athletic training, the one thing about us is, you know, we're licensed medical professionals uh, and we work alongside physicians we work alongside physicians assistants we work alongside physical therapists nurses doctors i mean um we help to uh prevent evaluate we treat we rehab um all of our athletes any kind of injury that we see um you know there's um there's a lot of things that we have to do you know for instance like we have to maintain medical paperwork we have to maintain 50 ceus of medical continuing education units every two years Mm mm-hmm uh, and so I still have to learn for at least 25 hours a year just in my profession. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're responsible for following codes of ethics. We're responsible for following state and national laws um, that govern what it is that we do. Um, and so, you know, I always tell kids, especially student athletic trainers, I'm like, you know, you want to know what the profession is about. We've got what are called the five domains, right? 
Um, and there's our first aid and emergency care, which, you know, is primarily what our student athletic trainers can assist me with. Um, you know, we've got our clinical evaluation and diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got treatment and rehab. Um, you've got your administration aspect of it. Uh, and then you've got injury prevention and wellness protection. And so, you know, all of those five things play a huge role in what we do day in and day out. And so, you know, from the time you get hurt, okay, say you get hurt point ultimate. Well, if I hit the field with you and mm-hmm. you've rolled an ankle, I can go through your entire evaluation right there. Yeah. And we can make a clinical decision on, oh, it's just an ankle sprain or, oh, we need to get you to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's just a, a, mild, a mild ankle sprain, nothing gets worse. We can do it in-house. We can get it better. Well, what have I done for you? Right. You all of a sudden now don't have to file an insurance claim to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. The district doesn't have to file an insurance claim to go to the doctor. Yeah. So now I can help you rehab and I can get you back out on the field without mm-hmm. you ever having to go to a PT, without you ever having to go to a physician. Um, you like the cheat code around the doctor. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, we we're <laughs> I tell everybody, so I, you know, I paid a lot of money to get nine letters after my name. But one one set of those letters is M.A.T., um, which stands for Master of Athletic Training, but I tell everybody it stands for Master of All Things. Because nice. what I failed to realize is that I have to be an electrician, I have to be a plumber, mm-hmm. I have to be an athletic trainer, mm-hmm. I have to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not only do we work with the physical, but we work with the mental. You know, uh, for some kids who have never been hurt, this is the most difficult time in their life. And so yeah. they need somebody that's there that knows that they care about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, another thing I saw the other day, uh, from the athletic trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs, he goes, when, uh, when is it going to be enough already? Like, when are we going to start putting the health and safety of our athletes first? Um, you know, someday we're going to look back at this uh, and not having an athletic trainer, and we're going to look at it like at practices and games and say, why is this not like the seatbelt law, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, you mean to tell me that w- we did what? Yeah. You know, what took so long for it to enact? If you can't afford – for a lot of athletic trainers, I think we agree that if you can't afford to have an athletic trainer on campus – you cannot afford athletics. Yeah. Um, perfect example right now. Um, Hillsborough County Schools is getting absolutely murdered uh, because they have like there's like 28 school there's like 28 schools there's like 28 schools or something like that. Anyways, they don't have athletic trainers. What ended up happening is summer strength conditioning happened. And I think kid, I saw this on and a, Twitter feed. And a kid died. Yes, you've probably seen it come through my Twitter feed. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's, I'm retweeting stuff left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, I got a thousand things going on with that. But the kid died. There was nobody on campus to, to even, even look at it. Nobody yeah. was there to see it. Nobody was there to catch it. Nobody was there to what try was to it? save his stroke? life. Yeah, it was heat. Okay. It was heat illness, heat exhaustion, um, which turned into heat stroke, which is immediate death. I mean, almost mm-hmm. immediate death if you don't act right. Um, but. You know, what do you want to see? Do you want to see kids save life because district's prepared? Or would you rather see school district loses athlete two to heat, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Well, parents ended up suing the district. Of course. The settlement came to a million dollars. Now, if you do a million dollars, like the average, I don't remember what the exact average, national average is right now on athletic training, but we'll just say it's around 50K. Yeah. Okay, so even if it's around 50K, that's like 16 years worth of a salary. Uh-huh. And you're going to lose that because you were too stubborn to pay an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is it not worth it to you? Um, and so you just kind of, it's one of those things that you look back and you go, why would you ever not do that? You know? And then the other thing about us is, um, you know, we're, we're advocators, we're educators, we're healthcare professionals. Um, you know, we manage mer- emergency situations. We're therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have to be flexible. Coach Harcastle talks about it all the time because, uh, you know, with the way our freshman class works between me and him and Miss Champlin, um, we have to be flexible about everything we do. Well, athletic trainers have to be flexible. I have to be able that I'm in a football practice and somebody goes down in the gym. I now have to make a quick decision to get there and help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I can be caught in the gym and something can happen at football, and I have to be ready to, yep. to make those moves. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have to make sure that everybody around us is trained – to handle those situations as well, especially when you're at a school like this where there's just one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in terms of the athletic training profession, it's valuable. It's very valuable to all districts. Um, and there's no reason that all schools shouldn't have one. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's absolutely baffling to the athletic training community that we don't have athletic trainers at all district, at all mm-hmm. schools, at all games. It doesn't matter. 
you know, I mean, you think about it here, and I've already looked at this year's schedule. There's going to be several home volleyball games that won't have anybody here because of football. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what happens there, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's that's where I'm taking it upon myself to make sure my coaches are trained enough to handle a situation yeah. that if I'm not here, I can trust that it's going to get done and taken care of to the best of our ability from a medical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that you know whether that be an ankle sprain, whether that be a, a ligament injury, whether that be a sudden cardiac issue, mm-hmm. um, you know I'm going to make sure that everybody here is competent to say this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it because this is what I've been trained to do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it stands on just decision-making, you know, and, and being able to adapt to the situation and what's going on. And so um, as athletic trainers, man, we, we love our job. Um, you know, I build some great relationships with the kids. I build some great relationships with the coaches, um, other colleagues and, and mentors. And so, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a great thing to be a part of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the long hours suck. The pay is not the greatest for a healthcare professional, mm-hmm. um, but we're advocating for that and we're pushing for that to move forward. Um, you know, it's I mean it's it's a big it's a big and growing profession, and I think it's eventually we'll get to the point where, you know, there's going to be athletic trainers pretty much everywhere. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just taking some time, and you you hate to see the circumstances that are happening to call on the profession to be needed, but. Like with some things, rules get put into place because something has now happened too much and mm-hmm. too often. And, you know, you can look back at the kid from Maryland that died during summer conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, and there were coaches and staff out there that were watching it just saying, oh, okay, well, you know, that that's not what we're here for. You know, yeah. our job is to keep that from happening. My job is to not be on the news mm-hmm. because I've had a kid go down. Yep. Um you know, and so that's, you know, our big thing is, is making sure that we're advocating for our athletes, we're advocating for our profession, um, and doing our best to take care of, of anybody and everybody that we come across. So mm-hmm. my, uh, my sister-in-law, she was an athletic trainer for, uh, I think it was like Alvarado, which is kind of near like Fort Worth-ish. Between Venus and Cleburne. Ish. Right there off of I-35. Oh, yeah. yeah. My parents live right there right now. Really? Mm-hmm. They've got <clears> a new was... QT on the corner. It's fantastic to stop in when I go down. <laughs> Don't well, mind She it. was the athletic trainer there like in 2015 like, or 16 or something. Anyway, so she left there to go to the colony and be the be an athletic trainer there. Liked it a lot, but like you said, like the hours were just miserable. And um, she was working. Like, so here, here at VA, you kind of have total autonomy over everything. They don't. And so they had to have it was three of them and she didn't like you know it was she just didn't like the environment there so then she decided she was like i'm done athletic training so now she's teaching health and medical terminology at the allen freshman center and she loves it but she loves athletic training she went to wt west texas a&m study it and loved it so much but she was just like she couldn't handle the toll of just you guys don't get a holiday break and coaches normally don't either but Coaches, if you're a football coach, in what December you're done. Um, you guys work year round. So that's yeah. So that's one of those things. Uh, and me and a coworker actually, we used to talk about this all the time. Perfect example. You know, Coach Haynes and Coach Hardcastle. Football season ends. You know, November. Hopefully December if you make a state title game. But if not, it ends in the playoffs in November. Mm-hmm. Baseball doesn't roll again until end of January or February. I lose. We lose that game on, say, November seventeenth. Well, I'm already balancing basketball and football mm-hmm. and volleyball too. And like last year, we had volleyball in the state tournament. Mm-hmm. So we had football playing. We had volleyball getting ready for a regional tournament, and then we had basketball games. I mean, I remember the one weekend we had our second playoff game. That Friday, we played uh, the regional final game. So oh, we, it was miserable. So because we, my photographers were there too. Yes. So we played the first round playoff game for football that Friday. And then Saturday, I had to get up, come do morning well, treatments. Even more, they had they had volleyball that same day. They had the football volleyball game that Friday Volleyball, night. and yep. then immediately went straight to football. And did you go to both? I went to football Friday uh, uh-huh. because I had to do the whole pregame thing with them and and prepare them for the game. And then volleyball had an athletic trainer on site at Midlothian. But then Saturday, Saturday. I hopped on the bus, or I actually I drove myself. But I rode down. I yeah, drove down. That and morning then I worked. we went to. Uh, was it? Did we go to? We came up to the. Oh my gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
the building. You came out to the ATC. And we, we, we did, did, you guys mm-hmm. did yoga. Yeah, because they did pregame. Yeah. yeah, they did pregame stretch and yoga before it they got like on the bus. It looked like you didn't get a single yep. minute of sleep that night. Well, got a little bit. Yoga was probably your sleep. I got, I got, I got more sleep that night than I'm getting now. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and like we, uh, you know, so I, I jumped in my truck, followed the bus down to Midlothian, and and worked the regional final for the tournament, and came back home, and then of course, you know, I worked the whole week for football playoffs, and then. Mm-hmm. Went with went with uh, volleyball to the state tournament, and so yeah. uh, you know, there's really not an off season for us. I mean, we bounce from one to the next to the next, and so you know, coaches get X amount of stipends for the sports they work. Well, why aren't athletic trainers getting a stipend for every sport that they got to cover? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you break it down, you know, even so, like for instance, I know there's a district that's got an athletic trainer who's getting a ten thousand dollar stipend. Okay, well that's cool. You're getting a ten thousand dollar stipend to work fourteen sports. Yeah, should be closer to twenty eight. Does that equate? Does that equate? No. Well, can districts afford to pay it? Well, no, not really. So, it's why there's so much turnover in our profession because we are worth more than what we're being paid. But a lot of us, it's not about the money. Like I, I do I care about the money? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do I want to get paid better? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. But do I want to make an impact on these kids? Do I want to be able to help kids? Do I want to be able to help this district do what I need to do, what they need to do to save money and save lives? Yes, I'm all over that. I would much rather be known for that than being known for the kind of money I make mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, for sure. Ever. There's no amount of money that can that can replace the opportunities I have with these kids and being able to to build relationships with them and to be able to have the trust that they have in me to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And, so that kind of segues into the next thing I want to talk about. For you, what's more enjoyable? Is it helping athletes like rehab and assess situations, and or just like is it helping athletes with overcome their injuries, or is it seeing your athletic trainers find their passion and fall in love with athletic training? What's better for you? Mm, can I plead the fifth? Because, <laughs> um, man, so crazily enough, um, I've had most districts they don't really allow student athletes to be student athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a fantastic coaching staff here that wants our kids to be involved in as much as they can be. Um, and I do my best to help balance those. And so, you know, I've had the opportunity to have a couple of volleyball players that are a part of my program. I've got a couple of softball players that are part of my program. Um, and it gives us, it gives us the ability to have the help that we need, but it also gives them the ability to be around it. Um, and so, ironically enough, one of my kids who got hurt last year um, and spent enough time in the training room came back this year and said, hey, coach, can I be a student athletic trainer? You know, I've, I've gained an interest in it from all the time that I've spent in there. It seems like a, it seems like a fun deal to, to be a part of. You know, can I, can I be a part of it? And so, um, you know, because I know the kid, I've worked with him for so long, I was like, absolutely, come, come be a part. I know based off your schedule, like, you know, it's going to be limited here and there, but learn what you can when you can, mm-hmm. and, and we'll make it work. You yeah. know, it's if you have an interest in something, I'm not going to tell a kid no. That's just not – we're not trying to turn away from the profession. We're trying to advocate for the profession. We want people to want to be in it. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time – so uh, kind of skirted around the question. I honestly mm, – I'm going to have to go with it. I feel better watching kids get back. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said earlier, you know, it hits them. It's one of the hardest times in their life. It's something that, you know, they may get hurt, and then mentally they're like, oh, my God, I don't want to go out there and get hurt again. Like, what happens if I get hurt? Like, I, I'm just so iffy. Like, I don't want to you, – you're not going to know till you get out there. Mm-hmm. Like, we've you've done the prep work. You've come in. You've been here for rehab. You've been here for treatment. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's go, let's go make it happen. We can mm-hmm. do it without anybody around, right? We can get up on the. We can get up in the gym. We can get shots up. We can get up on the net. We can get blocks up. We can get out on the football field. We can run sprints. We can run agility. We can run routes. Whatever we need to do, without anybody around in a controlled setting, mm-hmm. and show you that you can do it. Yeah. And then it usually just takes that first time of them either getting hit on a route, you know, getting a block, getting a getting a kill, you know, hitting that first three, getting a delay mm-hmm. up. Whatever, and then it's like, oh my god, I'm good. I'm yeah, here. I'm back to normal. And and mentally, it's all gone. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think that's. I think it's definitely got to be getting the kids back, just because there's so much more 
to the rehab process, not only physically but mentally and emotionally as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love seeing my kids that that gain the interest. You know, I, you know, I've got a few right now who are like, Coach, you know, like I'm looking at programs, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, cool, I'm with it. You know, you need recommendations, let me know. I'm like, you know, but if make sure this is really what you want to do because it is a it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime application to to be able to use as you move forward. And um, like I said, I love the I love them both, but I think I'm gonna give the edge to kids getting back on the court after after an injury. Yeah, that's so. cool. <clears throat> I think, I mean, athletic training and like videography, photography don't totally align, but I, I mean, so I shoot weddings on the side of this of my job, and I love shooting weddings because I just like getting that that shot or editing stuff together and it's like dang that is good and we had a really really sick wedding in november and the video just is the best thing we've ever put together <clears throat> and that's pretty awesome for me like confidence wise and like i still got it but like whenever kids come back with awards that's pretty sick too oh, dude, love, so you were i love seeing all i love seeing all your all your awards that get posted on our like i'm man i'm all i'm on the like <laughs> i'm on the twitter like button like yes let's go <laughs> Keep rolling like that. I mean, but that's what we want. We want to see these kids succeed in what they love doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, my goal is eventually to get our kids into some programs like that and, and get our kids out into some competitions. And yeah, you um, guys would win. It's fun. Well, I, I think we do. We do, I think we do really well, especially with this group we got coming. Uh, coming. What kind of comp- is it like? Whoever can like tank. Like, so tape an ankle man, the best? we do a whole lot of things. Uh, you know, there's muscle identification. There is, uh, you know, tape. I mean, obviously the big one for us is taping. Uh-huh. Um, Lots of competitions on speed on those, and then mm-hmm. how they look, and making sure you got all the components. And then um, I've seen a few that have had like obstacle courses, and so you have to like oh that's cool. You have to like go, and you have to like pull a cooler here, or you have to fill this here, <laughs> or you have to carry this this way, or uh, you have to go into this trunk and find all these equipment that you need to you know splint something or you know, things like that, and just you know and making it fun and interactive but also at the same time helping educate you on you know if i had to do this at the blink of an eye mm-hmm. like if coach emory hollered at me and said hey i need this now can i do it yep you know um and like i said that's one of those things i hope that i train our kids and staff enough that if it happens we're prepared it's mm-hmm. not a oh can i get it no I, it's just reactionary uh, you guys get into that stuff that'd be fun mm-hmm Oh yeah, there's one. Uh, it reminds you of like the firefighters whenever they do their competitions. Yes, sounds exactly like that. Yeah, or like when FFA does like the they have to smell the milk or smell the uh, they have to identify the animal it came from or something. Is that do you know what I'm talking about? No idea. They have like uh, <laughs> cups of milk or something, and the FFA people. I could be wrong, but I, this is what I've heard. But like they have to pick up the milk, smell it, and like grade it on a scale of like, is it healthy to drink? Is it sour? Maybe there's a way to identify wrong, the wrong Dustin. You'll have to ask Lambert on that one. Yeah, <laughs> you got the wrong Dustin in the room for that one. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so moving on. Um, so I'm gonna skip this part. I'm gonna go down to the baby stuff. Oh man. So you're obviously dad now, like you mentioned, two months. Uh, what? Two months yesterday? Is that what two months said? yesterday. Two months yesterday. Give me some quick takes. What is awesome about having a baby, and what is awful about having a baby? All right, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the bad first because you always okay. end with the good. Um, sleep, forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, now my wife's gonna tell you otherwise. I'm gonna tell you I I get a decent amount of sleep, uh, but within that first couple weeks, couple months, as long as they're still feeding on mom, we're just transportation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And if if the baby's in the room with you in a crib. Um, you know, there's your transportation and diaper duty, man. Like that's really what all you've got going on in the first, um, within the first month or two. Uh, well, I say the first month or two, like the first month. Cause now like we've had to supplement ours on the formula a little more. Uh, he was like in the 11th percentile on his weight, but was in the 97th percentile on his height. Wow. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. Just keep yeah. growing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, uh, between, I mean, they sleep a lot. They sleep a lot. It's just the getting up in the middle of the night. You know, you know, I've talked about that. I've sent you videos and uh-huh. text messages. I'm like, hey, here you go. And it, and it's a process. You know, yeah. you, you'll eventually get into a rhythm. But um, the sleep is probably, I think, the worst. Diaper duty is always awful, and it's only going to get worse for, for you as you go. Yeah. Um, know that know that you will both have a breakdown at some point. Like, you're going to be just so physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted with him that – 
it's going to happen, uh, and you're not alone. Um, you know, and I think for me, asking for help. Like I don't ask for help a lot. I'm, I don't either. I'm not that type of person, but obviously, I have my son with me today, but he's not here, mm-hmm. right? Because people want to help, and yeah. people love babies. And yep. so, on the positive side, those same people that love babies and want to help will always hold the baby. Always. You will find no shortage of people who want to hold the baby. Um, and so, realistically, I think you're, um, you know, the best part of it, man, is, is as he starts to get facial expressions, as he starts to figure out what things are. And, um, you know, that's the best part. I, I, perfect example. So, the other night, my wife hits me. It's 3 a.m. You probably saw it on my Snapchat story. Mm-hmm. It's 3 a.m. My kid wakes up. My wife's like, you're feeding him. I said, that's fine. I'll get it. So I groggily walk my way into his bedroom, and I pull, pick him up. I come in. I make his his formula bottle, and I bring him to bed. And he feeds. It's like a 20-minute process, man. For him to down this, like, six ounces of formula takes, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm half asleep for the whole thing. And so then I'm trying to burp him. Well, that can be anywhere between 30 seconds to 10-minute process. And so... Well, he finally burps, and I'm wanting him to go back to sleep. I'm trying to get him back to sleep, and he just won't sit still. So mm-hmm. it gets to like 3.40 in the morning. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. And my wife goes, here, let me take him. Uh, she's like, just go back to sleep. And, of course, right now, both of us, like, she's got to be up at 4.30 because she's got to be at her school at 5.30. I've got to be here around 7. So she does a bunch of that stuff in between, and then I I bring him up here and babysit. Well, mm-hmm. my coaches slash kids like to babysit, so <laughs> – I let them hang out with him. Um, and so I was so pissed, man. I was so mad at him. Like, I was annoyed. And so I slept till, like, 9 because this is going into a Friday morning. She let me sleep till, like, 9. I walk out. He's laying there. He's awake. He's alert. I come over. I go to give him a kiss on the forehead, and he just gets this grin. Those mm. eyes pop open. He gets this huge grin, and I'm like, oh. And I forgot all about mm-hmm. the 3 to 4 o'clock that morning. And it just – you know, just seeing the reaction, you know, being able to hold him, uh, that new baby smell, that new baby smell for the first like month or so is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you just love them, man. Like it's, you know, I've Hardcastle and Dennis and all, you know, all the coaches like, man, your life's going to change. Like, yeah, I know. Glad, you know, I heard on Hardcastle's podcast, yeah. uh, life's going to change. That's exactly what he told me. Your life's going to change. And it does like you, you all of a sudden are looking and you're like, man, but then also, you're like, things you used to do, like, oh, I need to run to the store. Oh, crap, i got to pack the stroller. I need mm-hmm. to grab the car seat. i got to put him in there. Like, yeah, you know, you start, things that you used to just casually do, you don't just casually do anymore. you gotta, mm-hmm. you got to think about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, um, but, man, it's awesome. I love yeah. it. I love him. Um, he's he's going to be a piece of work. My wife and I think he's got red hair and blue eyes, so he's about to – He's about to be a heartbreaker, according to my wife. And I'm like, he's all yours. That's that's your child, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got that all from you. Wow. So My my biggest pet peeve is <clears throat> right now, uh, Kinsley is my wife. Kinsley and I have been pretty annoyed with people because everyone who's ever been a parent is an expert at parenting. At least they think they are. And so my thing is, like, I feel like I have a lot of qualities that will help me become a good dad. And I'm sure you probably thought that, too. Whenever I say something, they're like, so for instance, I think I'm, I think I'm a pretty patient guy. I think I'm really patient. I've always had that quality. Um, I've been captains of sports teams. I've had to like teach people the ropes of a sport, teach people the ropes of photography, teach people the ropes of video. And I feel like I'm a pretty patient guy. And when I say that to someone who's a, who's a dad, they're like, oh, you have no idea. Well, I'm sure I have no idea. But I feel like my patience will help me become a better dad. And they're like, yeah, well, you've just got no idea what level of patience. And I'm just so sick and tired of being told, like, the qualities that I've grown up learning are just going to go down the drain. It's like, I don't know. It's it's pretty freaking annoying to me. Did you ever have to deal with that crap? So you know me. I'm the opposite spectrum of you. I'm I'm short-fused at times. Um, I can be I can be quick to burst. Um but yeah, uh, you get a lot of unwanted and unsolicited advice. Yes. Um, and it, it comes with the territory, man. I'm, I mean, between my mom, my mother-in-law, you know, my dad and my father-in-law, um, you know, my wife and I are a little different. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. She's quiet. I'm, I'll, I'll talk to a brick wall if it'll listen to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my wife's not going to say much to you. And so, but everybody in the, under the, you know, everybody under the sun's like, hey, you know, be ready for this, or this is going to happen, or th-, and I'm like, just let, just let it come. Like, it's going to, it's going to come, no matter what. Um, no two babies are the same, man. Like, um, you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe he's doing that already. Well, you know, my baby's different than yours. Mm-hmm. Like, your baby's going to be different than mine. Um, yep. And, you know, now, take everything everybody says with a grain of salt. Because as you get some of this advice, you're going to be like, oh, my God, they told me about that. I can't <laughs> I can't believe that just happened. But then when something happens that nobody's warned you about, you're like, whoa, nobody told me that in the manual. Like, uh-huh. there's no manual for this parenting thing, man. Yep. There's not a... There's not a cheat code. There's not a book. on. I mean, yeah, there's books on it, but no, nobody, no baby's the same. Yeah, there's and, a formula. And I think you're, you know, you've got your head on your shoulders enough, and I, I believe Kinsley does too because, you know, she lets you marry her. So, um, Is that a, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just, you know, it's it's just different because every baby's different, man. Like, I, I – I'm not going to be able to raise Daxton the same way that I was raised or, you know, the way my mm-hmm. wife was raised. Like we have to, we have to change it up. You know, yep. my wife and I come from totally different backgrounds, but my son's background is going to be different than your son's background. And, uh, you know, everybody else's kid that they're telling you about mm-hmm. is different than what your kid's growing up in. Yep. And so, you know, the things you and I had as, as, uh, as infants and toddlers, way different than what our parents have now. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we got these fancy mama roos and we've got this monitor yeah. over here that I can mm-hmm. hang from the ceiling and watch my baby sleep and, you know, all of these little toys and gizmos and gadgets. Like, we didn't have all that as kids. You know, people are like, oh, don't lay your baby on the back. You know where my baby loves to sleep? On your back? On his stomach. Yeah. My baby's a stomach sleeper. Like, from de- from like week two, people are like, you're not supposed to do that. I slept on my stomach, man. That's yeah. all I did. Mm-hmm. I was a stomach sleeper. My wife's a stomach sleeper. So... What's gonna make my baby any different? Yeah, right. But my kid hated being swaddled. Everybody else's kid loves being like my kid. My kid was like Houdini, man. Like we'd swaddle him up. It didn't matter. We'd double swaddle the kid, and like I'd pin his arms behind his back and his butt, and then all of a sudden, whoop! Here's yeah. an arm. How'd you? What? <laughs> like, and it just, uh, yeah. The all the unsolicited advice. Take it with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. it's all going to be different than what how their kid was raised yeah. or how you were how you were taken care of. And I, th- I think of it like a so like I'll just use the patience. Last thing before we we'll go to our game. So like I think of it like on a scale of one to ten. So like if my patience, I'm just using that as the example right now. If my patience is at a seven on a scale of one to ten, let's just say it's a seven, and the person who's giving me advice pre-baby was like a three, well post-baby. They had to level all the way up to nine. Well, going from three to nine is a significant jump from going from seven to nine. And that's not saying I'm not prepared or anything, but I, I, I think I'm more prepared than, and I don't know if this, I could just be biting myself in the butt later, but I feel like I'm more prepared than most people when it comes to patience. Lack of sleep, I'm going to suck at that. I like my sleep. Um, when it, I don't know. I, I don't know any other qualities that you need to have a dad, but like, I feel like I'm good in some regards. But when some people say, <laughs> no, you're not. Like okay, just shut up and go away. Like I don't even care about you. Anyway, so we've talked up. So we've talked one one. So unsolicited advice. I'm gonna give you my one piece, other than what I've already texted you before. If baby's sleeping, and Kinsley has the opportunity, put her butt back in bed uh-huh. and tell her to sleep. Yeah. Don't let her do anything else. Don't let her worry about going to the store. Don't let. Don't worry. Let Kinsley sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, if that baby can be on your chest, that baby can be in, you know, whatever bassinet, whatever, you know, boppy, you know, bouncy uh, chair, whatever, let Kinsley sleep mm-hmm. as best as possible. That's what you can do, especially during the daytime, because yep. at night, she ha- she's going to have to get up, uh, especially if y'all are doing the whole breastfeeding thing. She's going to have to get up and do that. Like, that's not going to be negotiable yeah. for her. But what is negotiable for her is middle of the day for two hours while the baby's asleep, she can sleep. Yeah. And that'll help her throughout the long run. And mm-hmm. that'll help you as well. And then, you know, maybe you can, that's how I, hopefully I try to stay out of the doghouse. I'm sure my wife will say otherwise after she hears this, but, um, <laughs> that's funny. You know, that's what I've, that's what I've tried to do, but. Okay. So we're going to go on to our game and our game is, so I listened to 
a podcast and they play this game. It's called Mount Rushmore, where they have three people, and it's like the Mount Rushmore of whatever, and they have to go around and pick their top four of something. So if I pick something, you can't pick something. So the category, and I've played this with some of my kids, so I feel like I've cheated a little bit. Mm. But I'm, we're doing the Mount Rushmore. I feel like I need to change that. I feel like I'm just stealing it from them. Mount Rushmore of animals to defend you in a fight. Um, couple of rules. Uh, let's just, we're just going to imagine, like, terrain doesn't matter. So, like, if I pick a whale, like, a whale shouldn't be docked because it's in well, the it can water. only be in, like, a, like, an eagle, too. Like, oh. they should, it should kind of be like a, like, terrain matters significantly less than what it actually should. Does that make sense at all? Okay. Obviously, like, a whale is going to kill, a, a, like, a bear. But, right. like, a bear should be, like, a pretty early pick. Anyway. Do you want first pick? Or you want me to have first pick? Uh, it, it's your show. I'll let you have first pick. Okay. I'll go also, first. that's funny you say that because, like, when I when I did this, I did it based off of having a team of yeah 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 so from be, all well no I have a team from at oh, least perfect. one at least one from each different perfect from each different landscape. So I'm like I got my water. I've Good. got my there, so you already I, you already knew yeah I was just okay, trying sweet. to okay I'll go first. Um, give me. I'll just take – I'll take a bear. I'll take a, a grizzly bear or Kodiak, Kodiak bear. I'll take a Kodiak bear. What kind of bear is best? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The office. That's all I can see right there. <laughs> that's all I can see. Okay, uh, you've got two. Oh, I got two back-to-back. Well, I'm going to go – I'm going to start out and I'm going to go with the silverback gorilla. That's a solid one. Nice, big, strong. Um solid leader of the pack and my second pick is going to be an apex predator that can be found in all oceans and they're not really a prey for anybody and that's an orca whale killer whale nice i had that one on my list too um so real quick this podcast i listened to actually had a debate over who would win a bear or gorilla and they were split they couldn't come to an agreement and they said one side was saying a gorilla would win because they could learn how to shoot a gun better than a bear could learn how to shoot a gun because they have thumbs. I don't know if that wouldn't matter. There's no guns in our uh, fight. But I think I got you on the bear. Anyway, our number two pick. Uh, give me... Mm, dang it, I wanted a whale. Uh, what's the strongest shark? Give me a, a great white shark. That's a shark, right? Great white shark. So I've got a bear... I've got a shark. Um, I'll take a lion. Dang. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a lion. That's my next one on the list. And you got you got back to back. Um. All right. So you you stole my lion out from under me, but I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna go with an African elephant. Oh, okay. Because I had an African lion, but I'm gonna go with an African elephant instead. <laughs> Mainly because originally I was like, yeah, they hunt, you know, lions hunt with their pride. Well, yeah, they do. And then well, elephants always roam in theirs. So I, I'm going to stick well, with that. Well, this lion's pride is a great white shark and a bear so far. Well, my last pick, and this might sound cliche. Uh, just if you be, say panther, I swear. Just because oh of. Oh, my gosh. So But hold corny. on. But you, but you have to hear. <laughs> hold up. You have to hear me out, though. Okay. Who's protecting me at nighttime? Yeah, but you won't, even, it, you won't even survive to the night because but, my bear, my great it, white shark, no. and my lion are going to kill you immediately. No, no, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Sure, take a panther. Yeah, protect you at night. Protect your dead corpse. <laughs> no, there's no way. No way. So I'm going to start the fight at night. <laughs> <laughs> who, who starts in the daytime? <laughs> You're going to start your fight at night. Like, who's going to start a fight in the middle, Will? Who's going to start a fight in the middle of the day? I think something's popping up. Will you click? Uh, what does it say on it? In the heat of debate, Coach Emery's mic just got unplugged. <laughs> so uh, we're good. We're good. Basically, that if if that is a uh, telling tale of how the fight's going to go, I feel like I come up quietly. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> I, I we sneak attack. That's I send the panther out first to sneak attack, and then we're it's game over. Okay, so you've got a silverback. Your ground is a silver bike, silver silver bike, silverback elephant, panther, and you got a killer whale. Killer whale's good. I've got a great white shark. I don't. I think your killer whale can defeat my shark. Lion, bear. I need one more. 
Um, I don't want something lame like a spider. That's stupid. <laughs> a, a king cobra would be good, but I feel like it would get squashed by the elephant. Uh, um, dang, a gorilla is a good pick. I didn't think a gorilla would go that early. Oh, that's um, my first round pick. Dang, I don't know what's a good pick. I want I I could pick like an eagle, but what is an eagle going to do? It's going to peck your panther. Just that, 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 that's now, a, now now my panther's come to a conundrum that, for you. Hadn't <laughs> it? Exactly. See, you don't know what to fight with my panther. Okay, I'll take a I'll take a wolf. Oh, see, that was my other option. I'll from take the a wolf. That was my other option from the panther because they run in they run in a pack. They got to uh-huh. get alpha male. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was my other. That was my that was my go to if you if you stole one of my others out from under me. So yeah, no, that's a that that wolf okay. one's a. So to recap. Uh, I'm going to kill you with a bear, a great white shark, a lion, and a wolf. And your team is a silverback gorilla, a killer whale, an African elephant, and a panther. No disrespect to the Van Alsing Panthers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a lot of other options out there. Like what? You had a hard time <laughs> coming up with a wolf. What a man? wolf. A wolf, man. Yeah. But what else did you have after the wolf, though? Uh, Nothing. King Cobra. <laughs> That's like me coming out with like anaconda or a black mamba. Like, let's be real here. Like, you, you already said the snake was. I'll, I'll make on. a little graphic and uh, we'll put it together there. Okay, let me pull up. Last thing is the mailbag. Um, I have a couple questions. Okay. Uh, the first one is from Brett Long. He wants to know why your calves are so big. <laughs> uh, let's go with. Genetics, hereditary, uh, lots of actually something that most of y'all don't do these days. I spent more time running and riding around, riding a bicycle around town than I did, you know, sitting at home playing video games. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know, trying to ride, run or ride two to three miles to go hang out with friends was what I did. And so I feel like that plays a lot of, a lot of a role to it. Mm-hmm. Should have known a calf question was coming from somebody. <laughs> I figured it'd be from Gallardo first, though. So the next one is... Callie Blankenship. And I feel like I know the answer to this question, so let me answer it and you tell me if I'm right or not. Okay. So she says, which sport is the most high maintenance? And just off of preparation alone, I would imagine football would be the one because you guys have to do so much prep prior to the games. Like, not just like with taping up ankles. That's a pretty massive part too. But like filling up water, making sure you have all that that massive cart that you guys take out there, making sure you have all of your athletic trainers. Could be wrong. Am I right? I mean, uh, that's kind of a given. I mean, uh, okay. What's what's the second most sport? What's the second sport that's the most high maintenance? Um, you know, I don't really have. I know in athletic training. Are we talking here at VA? Or are we just talking in athletic training as a? As I would say at VA. At VA, uh, mm, volleyball there for a while had me pretty. They were pretty. They were pretty busy. They had me uh-huh. pretty busy with football, but then uh, honestly, girls basketball kind of got me this year too a really? little bit. But we've we've kind of been spread. We've been pretty spread pretty wide in terms of just injuries and how many kids we had to take care of. Mm-hmm. And so, um, any gym sport though is it's it's not too difficult. And I know where I kind of see where Callie's. Oh, you know what? Track. Oh my God, <laughs> track is number two. Why? Uh, Again, you you have to set up. Who gets injured running track? Everybody. My hamstring, my groin, my quad, my ankle. What'd you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? So, what do you? You don't know how you got hurt. Like that. That's my favorite one. Well, what'd you do? I don't know. It just hurts. Okay. It just hurts. But yeah, no. With track, man, you've got. I mean, they clip a hurdle. They land on the bar funny. They come out of the blocks hard one time and feel their hamstring tighten up. Uh, that's a lot, but then prepping and for prepping, getting out there, you know, getting cows ready to go on the field for water, making sure we have our tent and stuff set up so that we can do treatments or do evaluations if mm-hmm. a kid does get hurt, um, which I did have a kid that we had to carry and cart to their car this year yep. um, because they got hurt while pole vault mm-hmm. or not pole vaulting while high jumping. And so, yeah, definitely track is we track got, is. I think the we second. got pictures of that. Yes, track is. We do because uh, I had it on my Twitter for a while. Yeah. Um, but yes, track is probably okay. my second. Now that I think about it, thanks, Kat. That's a good one. That was a really good one. <laughs> okay, the last one is from Michael Welch. Uh, she wants to know what are the perks as well as the downsides of the small town atmosphere in VA. Perks, uh, great community, um, a lot of support, and uh, since day one, you know, I've I've had a support system amongst the parents, amongst the coaches. 
um, the staff that has been extraordinary. Um, and I, I can't say that enough about this place. Um, coming from a four high school district where we were the baby school in the district, um, it, it was amazing to see the support that I got from parents. Because at the school I came from, you, you didn't really see parents that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the big one. I mean, just the support from everybody and then just being able to manage it all. I mean, you're, you're talking and my wife who's an athletic trainer, as most people know, um, over at McKinney Boyd, uh, she's got a thousand athletes. I've yep. got 400 or so, but that's between high school and middle school. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so making sure that, you know, making sure that I'm able to take care of everybody, um, to the best of my ability and being able to, to build those relationships again with, with the student athlete, with the parents and making sure that everybody understands that, you know, their well being is what is in my interest. I don't mm-hmm. care, you know, I don't care about, you know, being noticed. I don't want to be I don't I honestly don't really want to be seen. And she asked about the downfall. Any Friday night, anytime somebody goes down on the court, anytime somebody goes down on the field, anywhere. Who's going to be out there? Mm-hmm. Where do all eyes go? Yep. What happens? You know, on a Friday night, I'm, to be honest with you, on a Friday night, it gets a little overwhelming. Like, especially when, you know, you've seen where my table said it's usually on the 45-yard line, mm-hmm. um, and it's right there in front of the stands. Mid, not quite midway on the track because I have to share with Tier, but I get it about lanes 6, 7, and 8. And if somebody goes down – those stands are high mm-hmm. and when you get somebody down there you know people are, you know people are looking yep. you know they may not be but it just feels like especially depending on who the player is you know it feels like everybody wants to know you know they want to know well what's what's going on like what's he doing like what's he trying to figure out what's he cutting off what's he putting on like that that's the big i think is the biggest downfall is it feels like you can be under a microscope at times mm-hmm. um and not that it's a bad thing but at the same time like I want everybody to know that's I, I'm doing what I feel is in the best interest of our student athletes. And so, you know, if I pull a kid from a game, I don't I don't ever want to do that. Yep. You know, I don't ever want to do it. But if it's got to be done, it's got to be done in the in the health and safety interest of the athlete and, and their future. And so I'll never forget that first game against Aubrey. I think it was the first game whenever Draylon went down in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys. I think that was that your first game. That was my very first game. Yeah, welcome to VA. Yeah, like the that's, biggest. I said that when I got on the bus. I said, "Welcome to VA." Yeah. And I, I know we're not supposed to like talk about injuries because that's was that for, is that HIPAA? HIPAA. Yeah. But that was like a pretty because that was our first game as photographers with me and Casey. And Casey got that award-winning picture of Draylon crying. It was sick. It was good. There was an award up there. I think it got a superior Casey Skull. Mm-hmm. Yep, there it is, right there. Yep, I um, remember it. But yeah. Yeah, she welcome, got some good. She got some good. Yeah, she got some good pictures of that one too, and because um, she got that one, and then there was another one um, of me walking him off the field that mm-hmm. I kind of fudged with a little bit, and um, you know, may or may not have used some of those blur techniques that you and I talked okay. about to get the other team's athletic trainer out of there uh-huh. uh, to where it's just me and him. But yeah, um, that was that was that was a different moment because it was quiet great times oh yeah anytime there's a kid down on the field like you already know that everybody's looking at you they're trying to figure out what's going on and Mm -hmm. all the speculation i can only imagine like i can't yeah i couldn't imagine being in the stands with parents and then being like oh my gosh what's going on like what's he doing like yeah especially because like i'm really nosy and i want to know all the information and so i'm all like hey uh what'd you guys hear would you would you guys you guys did you see anything and like whenever I'm like on the sideline. I can hear the cracks of people hitting each other and I can like watch ankles get turned or so just me being super nosy. Oh yeah. It's and good for I, me. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, don't, you don't, we don't speak a word about it. If the kid brings up what's going on in front of other people, then we can talk. But outside of that, yeah. I, I keep my mouth shut. And if you've ever noticed, like I don't, I just, I, it's like when people ask me, well, how's so-and-so? I'm like, they're, they're getting better. Yeah, that, that that's something that we've been asked to do some live broadcasts of football games. And as cool as I think that would be, I think it's just asking, like, you you put a 16-year-old on the microphone, and they're like, well, we, you know, Draylon's not going to be able to play this week because he 
so and so and so and so. It's like, well, can't say that. Not not true. He played the next week. Right? Yeah. Like it's and that's the and that's the big thing is, you know, you just gotta you gotta tiptoe that line of of what you do and what you say and, uh, you know, obviously if I say it to parents and and parents come out and say it to other people, then at that point it's free game. If the kid's out talking about it and has blared it to everybody, um, now there's information behind all that that we keep. It's kind of like the whole Zeke thing. Mm-hmm. Zeke's like HIPAA. I'm like, dude, your agent gave that out. Yeah. Like, that's not your doctor. Like, mm-hmm. your healthcare professional is not the one who said that. That yep. that was your, you know. So if you as the athlete put it out to people, if you as the parent put it out to people, um, you know, that's now public knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will <clears> – <throat> I usually don't talk – you know, um, unless it's to the athlete or to my students regarding what we're doing behind closed doors or what we're doing in the ATC or, you know, how we're treating them in the athletic training room. It's just, it's just not, again, it's not in the kids' well-being. Like, I don't need something to get out on Twitter, you know, for instance, like, oh, you know, Mark's hurt and now can't play next week because he's got a sprained ankle and may mm-hmm. not be dead. So now teams are like, oh, the best player's out because they've got an ankle sprain, and so we don't have to game plan for him now. Yep. We can game plan for this, right? Mm-hmm. It just—it's not smart. Like yep. I, I'm mentally as a unless forward, you put fake information out there, and then we just sabotage the other teams. Mentally as a mentally as a former athlete, you know, I'm trying to think for my coaches' sake. I'm like, I don't. We don't want other people to know. Yeah. Like we want we That's want them stupid. to see him suited up and be like, oh my gosh, he's playing. Oh crud! Like mm-hmm. you know, because you know you know on film, like you can go back and look. Oh, so and so's not in there anymore. What happened? Right, or you yep. see them lay down, and most coaches try to cut the clip like immediately. Uh, but other coaches know, yep. like they can pick that up mm-hmm. off film and everything else to know that somebody's there or not. But yep. yeah, no, uh, that was a great, Micah. That was a great one. Good that job, Micah. To, Good job, Micah. That's Dim. That's Dim Wave. Okay. Uh, the only thing that we always end with is I like to give the mic to the teacher uh, or coach or whoever you are, student, just to talk for like thirty seconds. I always say thirty seconds, but I always end up going to like a minute and a half. Um, is there something that is maybe on your mind or on your heart that you want to just talk about for a minute or so? And you don't have to. Um, you know, I, honestly, I think it's uh, uh, in this current day, in this current state, um, I think we all just have to, you know, take care of each other. Um, mm-hmm. Take care of the, your loved one. Take care of your friends. Take care of your family. Um, you know, we've got the whole COVID pandemic going on. We've got the BLM movement that's hitting and um, you know if you've got if you've got friends who are people of color check in on them you know make sure you're doing what you can to help out um, if you've got family who's been sick um, you know call check on them make sure that they're they're staying healthy um, you yourself you know make sure you're taking care of yourself you're drinking and eating right a lot of a lot of people don't realize that that leads to that sickness and, and to the health and um, you know be excited for the for the days that you're living in and be excited to to see where we move in the future um you know both as as human beings as in this town this community this this school district mm-hmm. um there's big things coming around VA and um you know I'm excited to be here I'm excited to be a part of it and I I love working with with each and every one of you um you know faculty staff administration students athletes you know my student athletic trainers um parents man like it's it's awesome being here it's great to be around va and um (laughs) it's always a good day to be a panther so Mm -hmm. sweet well i'm gonna see you tomorrow because me and my photographers are gonna be at the football field taking pictures and video people are gonna be there too so i'll see you tomorrow just just keep your six feet distance man of course yep that's what i'm trying to tell people all right well thanks for coming on the podcast um i'll see you tomorrow yes sir Uh